1: No intro. I will give you the date though. Uh, Friday, September tenth. No intro. Neil Solans beyond the on base streak. The hashtag raise Wander Franco now has struck out once in his last fifty nine plate appearances, three in his last one hundred. That's three strikeouts in four weeks as a twenty year old.
0: Wander Franco is a top ten shortstop already. I'd take him over Trevor Story. This might be us. I might even take him over Lindor, and I'm sure as shit taking him over Javi
1: Baez. Wander Franco, we're getting out in front of it. We're getting out in front of it. Okay, now intro. (laughs) Just baseball show. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple. I'm wearing my young legend Wander shirt from our guys over at Breaking Tees. I'm wearing Swing 3-0. I love this one. We are coming out guns blazing for this. Uh, this is a great conversation with Arm Layton, you know, third member of the the hosting team for the Just Baseball Show. He's also the Prospect Whisperer, and he, really he is, is as in touch as I think Jonathan Mayo and Keith Law are. Like, we're Arm at dinner, yeah. we're at
0: dinner, and um, he's on his phone, and I'm like, "Oh, yo, bro, we're eating." He's like, "Oh no, I'm just looking at the box score of the uh, Pensacola, like in Double A. Like, what are you doing?" Like we're we're eating some we're eating tacos, and 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 you're looking at the six hitter on the Pensacola. I don't even know. the Blue Wahoos. The Blue Wahoos. That's another thing. Do you know the origin of why minor league team names are so weird? It's an entertainment business. But like, are they like so
1: entertaining that it's groundbreaking? I I don't know. I think I think a lot of people are trying to adopt this Savannah Bananas style of uh, entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it gets to be a lot at points. Yeah. You know, uh, it's okay, but it's fun. You know, a lot of people that are going to minor league baseball games do not go to watch the players. However, Aram and us are a bunch of play or a bunch of people that go to minor league baseball games to watch the players. And if that guy's going to put together a top 100 along with Colby Olson, Dustin Demeter, and several other members of the just baseball crew, it, you're going to read it and you are going to agree with the most of it. So that comes out on Monday. We talked to Arm previewing the JustBaseball.com Top 100 today. But before we get to that, mm-hmm. we praised Donda when it came out. We were massive fans of that album. So turning this into a music podcast, which is my long-term end goal here, um, Certified lover Boy sucked. Sucked. Shit sucked. Simp music. Hor- and when I'm, I say
0: simp music... I mean, it's just like, Drake, what are you doing, bro? You weren't creative. There was nothing special. Not even the production was good. The lyrics are meh. You're a certified lover boy at 34. What's the message here? What's going on? It wasn't, uh, the features weren't even that strong. There's a couple songs I'm saving. And the reason why I'm getting so upset about this is because I genuinely do really like Drake a lot. Like I've liked his music for a while, especially when he raps, when he yeah. raps. Now, when he sings, I don't need Drake trying to pretend he's the weekend. He's Drake. Drop something with future and go hard. What are we doing here? Certified lover boy?
1: Thought it was going to bang and it was such a flop. Drake is very hit or miss for me. And RM used the word lazy to describe yeah. what certified lover boy was. I thought it of our was list. lazy. What? The opposite of this top 100 list. Yeah, the opposite, <laughs> right? There, there was no meticulous anything that went into it versus we just got Donda a couple of weeks ago that was as meticulous in album development as we have ever seen, or at least we think that's the case. But with Drake, it's been very hit or miss in terms of what feels like there's been effort that has been put in. I loved, if you're reading this, it's too late. That was back Love in 2015. It. Great one. Views. Felt a little lazy a year Also later. didn't like views. More Life was really good in 2017. Scorpion felt a little lazy. The Certified thing with, lover boy is lazy. The thing with Drake
0: is we call it lazy. He calls it, I could do whatever I want and make hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> it is lazy, But he can be lazy. I feel like his fans have made him into this godlike figure that whenever he drops something, in their eyes, it's an instant classic, and they'll shove it down your throat. I almost feel like Drake fans are like another species on their own.
1: Yeah, Because they they
0: live and die by this guy. And And you can't, I'm even talking to my roommate. I'm like, I didn't love Sertaboy. I love her, boy. And he's like, "What, what do you mean? What didn't you like? What didn't you like? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It was all lazy. It was slow. There was nothing special about it. I didn't hear a new sound from Drake. I just got like older tracks
1: from his other albums. If anybody's going to try and tell me that Way Too Sexy is a good song. Yeah. Oh my god, god. What a cringy song. So I, I do this thing. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the car going from place to place. In the Midwest, everything is about an hour away, hour and a half away from each other. So, I do the skip test with new albums. I will listen to it one time through and then I'll shuffle. And I listened to Certified Lover Boy one time through. And then I put it on shuffle again the next time I was in the car. And I give each song about 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And there was not a single song on this album that I got all the way through, versus Donda was about 75% i mean it makes sense it was the same thing for me i'm not surprised that you were even saying that that's why i didn't
0: have a big reaction it's like i agree it was just like there are so many skips i saved fair trade with travis i like that song it's a pretty good song but i mean sicko mode was like a thousand times better than that song it
1: the whole thing wasn't good whole thing wasn't good now we talk about the top 100 here is arm layton suspense is over like we've been waiting for the prospect guy to actually drop something prospect oriented 100. on justbaseball.com and now the founder of just and a couple others have teamed up to create the top 100 prospect list for just baseball so we are hoping for pretty much everybody to say in the mlb.com top 100 he is this in the Fangraphs top 100 he is this in baseball america's top 100 he is this and in justbaseball.com's top 100, he is at this rating. So, Arm Layton, the prospect guru, the founder of Just Baseball, the, uh, I guess, once a week host of the Just Baseball show. Yeah, you're, not, you're not a guest anymore.
2: I know. It's funny. That I was. always I talk to Peter and I'm like, you're a podcast. And Peter's like, dude, you're on it like every week. You know, right? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like with the top 100 list too, I feel like Kanye with, with Donda, I just I, I kept feeling like it was almost ready. And then I'd have to go back to the drawing board, redo it a little bit, make some adjustments. I even made an adjustment minutes before we started recording, but I feel good about it now. I, I think we're pretty set in, yeah, and you were sleeping at Mercedes Benz Stadium while you were yes, doing. I have the ability to fall asleep in front of thirty thousand people um, that the, the level of of just self importance to do that i I wish I hope that I can one day do that.
0: I always feel like the top one hundred prospects list, whether it be in football, whether it be in basketball, is always. The coolest list to look at it's always the list where i'm thinking you know what top 100 players in baseball is great but top 100 prospects just feels a little bit different
2: yeah it's the art of projection right and just it's something that i think a lot of people it's hard to do right you can come up with your top 100 players because you watch mlb every day you got to be a, a loser and have a lot of free time like me You have to be a loser you have to be so that's <laughs> why i'm doing this and you know, this took a long time and I had to like corroborate everything. That's why I, I just really wanted to make sure. And like, you got You can't just rank dudes you haven't seen. So you got to watch hundreds and hundreds of players, video stats, talk to people, talk to other scouts. It, it's crazy, but it's a lot of fun when you put it all together. And there's like something special about it. It's like, this is my opinion. You know, <laughs> let's check it out. And I had a lot of great help between Dustin Demeter, who I know was recently on the show. I mean, his write-ups and everything are spectacular. We're almost always on the same page. And if we're not, it opens a door for me to like, Hey, maybe I should rethink this. And um, he helped a lot. Colby helped a lot with the pitchers, especially. And uh, ultimately I'm really excited to uh, get into this thing. I'm sure that there's going to be some uh, detractions. I don't think there's ever been a perfect top 100
1: list doesn't exist. So let's see, let's see what we got. Pete, I don't think we've ever let anybody know, like the process of us first meeting we met at Syracuse, like one of the first nights of college We were drunk. Like, I don't know how I got your phone number, but I got your phone number. And within the first month of us knowing each other, we were putting together an NBA mock draft for that upcoming year. Like, (laughs) we are dorks. Uh, We are dorks. But the thing with like, and with the the thing with NFL mock drafts, NBA mock drafts, uh, top 100 prospect list, how about how many times did you visit ESPN's college basketball top 100 recruits? Like looking at the top 100 high school players in America, and like, okay, where are they going? How many guys are going to Kentucky? Like, that was one of my most. Oh, oh, I still,
0: I still do it now. I do it on like two, four, seven. That's why I said. That's why I said this is like even a much more fun list to look at than maybe even our top tens. Yeah, Yeah. and also Aram, before we even get into get into the list, obviously everyone has their idea of what their best baseball player looks like. Like when you get to the top, you're really splitting hairs here. Is there like a quality to a hitter or a quality to a pitcher that you maybe think that you evaluate as more important in baseball than maybe others do that you notice from looking at other lists? That's a great question. Honestly, thanks, man.
2: Honestly, for me, (laughs) you know, there's a few different things, especially when we get into the number one. And I I know what we're going to kind of tease it. I want it to be a little bit of a surprise on who the number one is, but I literally am like actively trying to create any sort of case against a player. And the guy that I ended up going with for number one, I couldn't even make a remote one little tiny thing against him. And I was like, okay, if that's where I'm at here, then I can find a little, a little issue with this guy, a small, small little detraction from this guy. I couldn't do it with the guy that was a number one. So that's one thing obviously. But the other thing too, is if, and it sounds so simple, but especially with a hitter, If you generate power easily, I just feel like you have such a high floor and a high chance of achieving your ceiling. And I I was just writing about Nick York, who was always seen as like a a contact first guy, right? The Red Sox. Volpe, Volpe with, with the Yankees. Another guy, not a big stature, but contact first, great glove. And now all of a sudden he's got 25 jacks. Like, where did that come from? When a guy has the hit tool and then the power comes, I usually like it that way. Then when you have a big power guy and you're like, I hope he can hit. And that seems to be every other top prospect. I still like those guys. I'm interested in those guys. But if you have the hit tool first and then the power comes out, that's somebody that I'm typically a lot more confident in.
1: I've got a question about the ETAs because on this okay. top prospect list, obviously you have a ranking, you have a name, you have a team, you have an age, you have a current level where they are at. And obviously that's going to change as guys go up and down. You've got a position You've got an ETA, and then you've got a future value. So those are on the 20 to 80 scale. You've got, you know, your number one prospect is 70 plus. Um, But the ETAs, eight of your top nine have an ETA of 2022. Guys that are farther along, did they get a bump a little bit? In terms of like
2: bumping, if you're closer, so if you're closer to
1: getting called up, did they get a bump in the rankings? They are more fleshed out and they are not as much of a mystery. And I think that probably helps them rise a little bit in these rankings, right? point, Yeah.
2: So that's the thing for me too, right? Is, is that I tend to feel as though a lot of the time prospect rankings are almost until proven otherwise. And I don't like it that way. It's not innocent until proven guilty in this world. I kind of like it as guilty until proven innocent, right? Most of these guys aren't going to achieve their ceilings. That's just baseball sports in general, You look at the first round of a draft. Most of those guys aren't going to be big leaguers. It's just the way it is. So you look at MLB pipeline, what they just did. And I mean, everybody does a great job and it's all subjective to a degree anyways, but look at where they put all of the recent draftees on MLB pipeline. They always put the recent draftees so high up there. And I get it because it's like, you can dream on that guy and he hasn't given you any reason not to believe in him yet, but I'm more so in the other way. Like I like to think about it the other way. So I'm going to rank the guy, even if there's somebody that I have at number five, that I think may not have as high of a ceiling as somebody I have at number 13. I think there's just a better chance that he's going to be a good big leaguer. And I think that matters, right? We have to balance the floor and the ceiling. So to answer your question, Jack, yes. I think part of the reason why they're up there is that I think they're going to be in the big league soon. Ultimately that wasn't like a tiebreaker for why I'm putting a guy there. I'm not putting a guy at six uh, instead of seven because the guy behind him has an ETA of 2024, but I think it ties into all of the rationale, which is if they're on a fast track to the bigs, they have the track record. And uh, that's definitely something that's part of the reason why they're there.
0: Let's start with a bang. You have three, you have three players at the top. I don't want to give away who's number one, obviously, Mm -hmm. but if you've been listening to the podcast, you've been talking these three guys up. Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rutschman, Bobby Witt Jr. Those have been our three consensus top three prospects between all of us. And I don't want you to give away the number one guy. But can you make the case for each guy to be number one? Because I see the future values. There's 70s, they're sixty-five. These guys are all going to be really, really good. So I'm just curious if you were to make an argument for each, what would you say? Uh, Yeah,
2: that's, that's the great one because you can really make a case for each guy. And I I said on the podcast on locked on MLB prospects the other day, I I said, you can make a top 100 list and put any of those three guys. And I'm not going to be like, I disagree with that. I I, I, I could, I could understand your reasoning behind putting any of the aforementioned three there. Right. Like, let's start with, with Julio Rodriguez, because that's somebody that I've just loved for so long. When you look at Julio Rodriguez's numbers, They're right on par with Wander Franco's through their first 200 games. And this is rough because this is something I wrote earlier, but through their first 200 games, Wander Franco slash 332, 398, 536. And this is through similar levels too, and the same age. Remember that too. Crazy 27 home runs, 95 (laughs) extra base hits. That's pretty damn good, right? 95? Yeah, 95 extra base in 214 games. Then you have (laughs) Julio Rodriguez- 174 games, 323, 398, 543 slash line, 23 home runs, 86 extra base hits in 40 less games. So you, you have more power output, almost the same average and the same on base percentage near the same levels. The only thing is Julio didn't quite get to AAA as fast as Wander. That's it. That's the only differences. And we know the big jump is from high A to double A. So Julio's numbers at the same age are on par with Wander Franco's. Wanda Franco is one of the best prospects we've ever seen that that's a good
0: case. I think for Julio at number one, right? Not bad. <laughs> right? And he's huge. And he's got a baseball body and he's a freak in nature. So, so can you even poke a hole in Adley Rutschman or Bobby Wood junior? I, and, and like
2: to, to go back to Julio to poke the, like the only hole quote unquote i poke is that I don't think he's going to stick in center. I think he's going to go to a corner and um, that's about it. Right? Like, I, I don't think there's much else that I could really poke with him. Adley Rutschman switch hitting catcher with power from both sides and a potential gold glove defender. Like that sounds like a dream. That sounds like a literal dream. The one thing uh, that with Adley that I think a lot of people may not even know. And I mentioned it on the stream with you yesterday when we were on Twitch is that Adley Rutschman is way, way better at least this year from the right side than he is from the left side. And that's not a big, big deal but the, the splits are so dramatic that it, it is something worth watching here. We're talking about a guy that's a perennial all-star that could hit 30 home runs and be a gold Glover and be the best catcher in baseball. So it won't be a big deal, even if the splits are dramatic, but an 1100 OPS from the right side and 800 OPS from the left side, triple the at-bats from the left side, obviously, because you're going to see more right-handed pitchers yet. He has more extra base hits from that right side. That's something that's, Again, concerning is not really the word because an 800 OPS is still good. Real good good. for a catcher. (laughs) But if we're talking about this overall production that we're lauding him for, it is worth noting that he is way more productive from the side that he hits much less from. Will it sustain? Will he change? Will that just be something that's just affecting him this year? Maybe, but that's the only tiny, tiny thing that has stood out to me a little bit with Adley. Then when we get to Bobby Witt, He has everything going for him, right? Five tools across the board. The only question I had with Bobby Witt coming into this year was the swing and miss. How much was he going to swing and miss? What was, what was that hit tool going to look like? Because I just didn't really have a chance to see much of that. And there was some swing and miss in his rookie debut. I
1: think he's answered a
2: lot of those questions and he does a lot of things really well.
1: Yes, he has. Uh, I want to throw a comp at you for the sake of mentioning the hall of fame induction ceremony that happened earlier this week. Shout out Derek Jeter, by the way. I, Pete, will let you do that in the Shout outro. out the GOAT. Yeah, but my comp for Adley Rutschman right now feels very outdated, but Ted Simmons feels very similar to what Adley Rutschman could become. Ted Simmons was a switch hitting silver slugger caliber catcher, obviously a Hall of Famer, that per 162 was right around 290 with a 350 OBP, had about 15 to 20 homers. Adley might be north of that. Had 35 doubles. That's right where Adley might be. And he played pretty solid defense. He wasn't gold glove caliber. Adley could have a little bit more power. Adley could have a little bit better of a glove. But when you're comparing somebody to a Hall of Famer, like that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I like it. Here's the thing, though, with with
2: Simmons, 787 OPS from the left side, 782 OPS from the right side. So obviously both of those are lower than what Adley's done from the left side, which is his weaker side in the minors. If, if he's only hitting to that same number from the left side in the big leagues, then it's fine because he's still one of the, he'll still be the most productive hitter in baseball as a catcher, right? Like yeah. if you're putting up an 800 OPS from one side and then 1000 from the other side, it's fine. I'm not going to complain about it. It is unfortunate that your better side is the one that you hit from one third of the time. But Mm -hmm. I like that comp because I believe their bats could be similar. Obviously, we think Adley's going to hit it for a little bit more power. But at the end of the day, I mean, you would take a Hall of Fame career in two seconds. I think Adley's glove is really just not talked about enough either. He's really gold glove caliber, which if that's the case, now we're talking about a guy that if he has Ted Simmons, offense and
0: better defense, we're talking about one of the best catchers of the last 30 years. Yeah. Can we talk I, about the catching position in, in minor leagues for a second? You have eight catchers in your top 50, seven, I guess, if you count Tyler Soderstrom, and then 11 total. Like the catching position wow, in the minor I didn't even realize that seems insane. Gabriel Moreno, Francisco Alvarez, there are so many good catchers. Have you ever seen, because you've been doing this for a long time, have you ever seen a system where there's been this much catching talent? No.
2: And you know what the irony is in it, too? The catching sucks in the big leagues right now. Yeah, right. It, it sucks. Right. <laughs> like Yasmani Grandal is your you're one of your best catchers right now. in, in baseball, it's 140, he hits 140 or he gets <laughs> on base. I get it. It's cool. He's valuable. But like, come on, JT Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball with a sub 800 OPS. So to answer your question, no, in recent memory, I cannot think of even coming into this year. I was doing my top five catchers. I remember on on the prospects pod coming into this year, and I, after the top three coming in, I was like, honestly, I'm going to throw Gabriel Moreno in there coming into the year. And a bunch of people thought I was nuts, and that was because I just was so underwhelmed with a lot of these other guys that uh, were supposed to be considered these top catching prospects. You have MJ Melendez come out and hit 35 jacks. So uh, after hitting a buck 63 in 2019 to hit. 35 jacks now and he's a great defender that's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere and has really emerged moreno has been somebody that i've been on for a while and has exceeded my expectations by a large margin one of the best hitting prospects in minor league baseball all the way around and he's a great catcher too and he's only 21 i mean that's somebody i didn't expect francisco alvarez that's somebody we all thought was going to be good none of us thought where he was going to be this good right like when we saw him at the futures game he was just, he looked like a man among children, right? And, and he, the, the irony is he's the child on this list. So a lot of these catchers came out of nowhere. I think people are forgetting about Camposano. He was forced into the big leagues. It wasn't fair to him. Then you have the number one overall pick in this year's draft as a catcher. You have Kiebert Ruiz putting it together. You have Soderstrom, who I don't think sticks behind the dish. But at the, at this point, he's still a catcher. He has exceeded every expectation, I think, since he's been drafted. Mention Melendez. And then Dylan Dingler. Dingler is fantastic. I know Jack can talk about him probably even more than I can, but that's another guy that a lot of people liked borderline first round talent, but nobody expected him to be this good.
1: Yeah, I'm a massive fan of Dylan Dingler. I do want to shout out a couple of deviations from the norm in terms of two players within the same organization that are neck and neck at the very top. And I was very adamant that these need to be flipped from MLB.com, from all the other publications, and you guys flipped them. I want you to, you know, quantify or at least back up with your own thoughts why Riley Green is ahead of Spencer Torkelson mm-hmm. and why Nick Lodolo is ahead of Hunter Green.
0: Yo.
2: <laughs> am I gonna get am, am I gonna get yelled at when I when we release this? For so that? Are fire no, because takes. I totally agree. I fully agree with it. Okay. So this is my thing. And the Riley green ahead of Torkelson is more so just a testament to Riley freaking green than it is anything against Spencer Torkelson. I've said Spencer Torkelson to me, I think could be one of the best hitters in the game. But also part of this is that when you look at future value, future value is supposed to be based on war. And if we're basing it on war, if a guy has a future value of 60 versus 65, or 60-plus versus 65, whatever it may be, we're talking about an incremental difference in war. I think Riley Green is going to be better in the wins-above-replacement department because of the fact that he could, one, stick in center field. If he goes to the corner, he's going to be a plus defender in either corner. He's going to steal bags. He's an above-average runner, and he's going to hit for average. He's going to do everything. And I, I see somebody like him. I think similar to, I, I would say the hit tool is not quite there, but like a Michael Brantley type, that's somebody that impacts the game in a lot of different ways. I would say almost like a hybrid between Michael Brantley and Kyle Tucker. Like that's what I could see out of somebody like him. And not to mention he's two years younger and you have all of that going for you. I think I said, I said this to Colby the other day, actually, because he saw a sneak peek of the list too. I said, we, we talk about what Torkelson did in college but Riley Green would be a sophomore at Arizona State right now. <laughs> Crazy. So think about that. Where's Riley Green going in the draft? If he's hitting at a 130 WRC plus in A right now as a 20 year old, that kind of caliber of a hitter, he's going 1 1 and it's he's not going, even thought about.
1: He's going 1 1 and he is being considered as the best college prospect, maybe ever.
2: Maybe ever. So when you think about it from that lens, I love Torkelson's bat. But what Torkelson would have to do to be more valuable than Riley Green, he's capable of it. But I'm going to side on the guy that could still hit 280 with 35 jacks. And even if Torkelson hits 40, you're not going to beat him in the war department there.
0: So I know we've talked about this guy a lot, but he's finally ranked in the top 100. Mackenzie Gore is at 61. Yeah, We just saw him come back and pitch. Jack, I, wanna, I want your answer on this too. How do you rank him? That's just my question. I don't, because he's got the stuff to be the best pitcher, best pitching prospect in baseball. Yeah. But he just hasn't performed like it. You guys just saw him, Jack, especially you two. What are you seeing right now? And Jack, when you hear he's at 61, do you think that's the right spot for him? There's no such thing as the right spot.
1: For right? Him I don't know. <laughs> He was, he was at six. He was at five at MLB.com's top 100 at the beginning of this year. And then something happened. And it, watching him, the one start that I got to watch him in, he made one start with Fort Wayne at the high A level. And then now he's in Double A San Antonio. His one start in high A, I walked through it with Aram on this show on a Monday episode. And he threw 30 pitches, 15 for strikes in the first inning. He was not good in the first inning at all. He couldn't command the fastball whatsoever. And then he flipped a switch and he went through two through five like it was no problem. And he looked like the best pitcher in minor league baseball. Hmm. The changeup is as good a changeup as I've seen in high. A. The slider is as good a slider as I've seen in high. A. The curveball is still the McKenzie Gore curveball. Fastball command, if it ever comes back to what it was then he's a top pitching prospect in all of baseball. But even if the fastball command only comes back in parts, he's the best pitcher in the Padres system. So this guy is so unbelievably talented, and he started with so much command that if he falls below his floor, it's still really, really good because his floor is as high as some other people's command ceiling. That is the
2: perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about here. We have to, and this was something, this was one... I had to think about for a while. And I really like I had to get philosophical on it a little bit because I realized it's important for us, you know, like even as an evaluator, I guess, like we can't pit McKenzie Gore against himself, right? Like, yes, Mackenzie Gore, isn't what he was earlier in his professional career. And he has not reached the expectations that we had on him, but what Jack just said, right. Best breaking ball, best changeup and a mid nineties fastball from a lefty who's 22 in high A. Let's say he just got to high A for the first time. And we, that was our first look at him. We didn't know who Mackenzie Gore was. We're saying that's a top 100 dude, right? So just because he's not the guy that was pitching to a minuscule 1.2 ERA in high A and wasn't the number one prospect of baseball pitching wise, like let's not pit him against himself here. At the end of the day, he still has plus stuff he's showing that he can throw it again a little bit and he's starting to settle back in, even though the command's not there. Like, why are we going to be harder on Mackenzie Gore than Ace Lacy? Ace Lacey is a year older than him. Yeah. So if, if Ace Lacy's not throwing strikes, but has good stuff and three pitches, why are we going to say, Oh, Lacey will figure it out. I'm keeping him in the top 100, but I'm going to bounce Gore because he was better before. Yes. I understand it's scary to take a step back, but I'm not going to pit McKenzie Gore against himself It's not his fault that he got off to such a good start that you know he he hasn't had as much time to get back there. I I think he'll be fine. I don't know if he'll be everything that we thought, but he's still well inside the top 100.
1: Hey, Aram, why do you hate Christian
2: Pache? I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's actually made some major improvements, I will say. And um, he's swinging it a lot better this year. But it's funny, that was another one where I was just like, where am I going to put this guy? Because I am really low on him in relative relative to where everybody else is on him. And a lot of people still have him really high. I look at his swing and I, I see a swing with too many moving parts. I see an approach that is a bit inconsistent and that's being generous. A super pull happy out and around the ball type of approach because he doesn't time things up well. So all of the movement and the length to his swing makes him have to cheat. And when you have to cheat to try to catch up, what's going to happen? You get the breaking ball when you're not expecting it and you're out on your front foot. He pulls everything. Even his home runs are pull side. He's trying to catch it out in front of home plate. Anytime you have a high pull rate, a high swing and miss percentage and a high ground ball rate. I'm just not that excited about you. Offensively defensively. He is gold glove potential could actually be the best defender in all of baseball in center field. Like Aaron Jones or Aaron Jones, Andrew Jones, fantasy I'm in football, football mode. Um, we've been drafting too many fantasy football teams, <laughs> Andrew Jones, caliber defender in center. But if he didn't have that going for him, he wouldn't even be sniffing the top 100 West based on his offensive profile. I know he's toolsy. I don't really care. He doesn't steal bags, even though he's a plus runner. Uh, I just don't really see what the value is outside of the glove. And, uh, I jokingly bring up, and you know i got to throw it in,
0: Jake Mariznick. <laughs>
2: There's a lot of Jake <laughs> Mariznick in there, man. Oof.
0: So our, I remember we were in Florida. I was sitting on your couch, and you said, hey, I've been watching this guy in the Cape. This guy just got drafted. He's really, really good. Plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tell me about Nick Gonzalez. He's ranked. Th- I'm not going to tell you the rank, but I really were think – after- to- I was about to, but I really saw when you showed me the videos and then I kept going and kept following this guy, Nick Gonzalez, the second baseman. I think he is, if not the, maybe, you know what? He's the best second base prospect in baseball. Do you agree agree or disagree? I think so too. I mean,
2: Nick York now is scaring me a little bit with how much he can make a push there, but I agree. I think he's the best second base. And honestly, he's one of my combination guys of like high floor high ceiling that you just you feel so good about as a prospect uh, when you have a prospect like that getting to watch him day in and day out when i called play by play in the cape i i don't think i'll ever take that for granted like that that's something that i i think about so often and i'm like man i was lucky to be able to do that and jack called games in the cape too and he knows like there's certain players where you're like damn I'm, i'm really happy i got to see this guy play I got to see Nick Gonzalez play every single day. Not only that, I got to talk to him, you know, before the games and go down there because I had a couple buddies on the team and during batting practice, what are you working on? What are you thinking about? And, yeah. and that was a big thing for me was I got to see him go oppo and miss balls that got out and people were like, oh, I don't know about the power. And people still say that. And it makes me so angry because I watched him hit with wood 430 foot homers to dead center, no problem. Missing balls out 350 the other way. I can Batting bat for practice. You. He puts on a show. I showed you the videos, bro. You could just, you heard the sound and you're like, that's different. That's different. I knew you would be in agreement. But like when I saw how excited you got about him too, I was like, thank you. I'm not just biased because I saw him every day. It's different when it comes off of his bat. And he is one of those guys that just makes hitting look so easy. And you look at his swing side by side. It sounds crazy with Mike Trout's. There are a lot of similarities. I'm not saying there he's are. Mike Trout, You're but not wrong. there's components to the swing that you just can't teach. The bat speed's otherworldly. The sound is different. He's got a 198 WRC plus since August 1st, since he's really been healthy. This guy could win a batting title, and I think legitimately, he's one of the guys that I look at, and I'm like, I'd put him higher if I could. I just know that people are going to, like, freak out if i if i do but the second i can next year i think he's going to be in like the top 20 for me i'll be honest
1: arm the cape is a unique spot because how you fell in love with watching nick gonzalez play baseball every day and being close and seeing the process the same way i fell in love with the process of reed detmers and watching his every start out on the cape that's worked out and hunter bishop because i saw that and I said, "Oh my god, you have so much Cody Bellinger in your swing." And right now that's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> but when Cody's on, I mean, that swing is stunningly beautiful. And Bishop when he's on, I mean, he looks like an outfielder of the future for the Giants for the next 10 years. So like there are those guys that jump out to you and when they turn it out, when they turn it on at the Cape and, you know, you're sitting there watching them every day and you still can't find many holes in their game you know they're really good. That was the same thing with Torkelson, you know, seeing him in Chatham. Another guy, and this is the last one from me. I've got a couple of guys that I want to point out that I'm super duper high on that I know a lot of people really weren't and they found themselves in the top 100 here. I saw Xavier Curry this year. He checks in at 100. But one of those guys on the Cape that I was like, oh my God, I don't see many holes at all is somebody that I know you love. And that's Greg Jones in the Rays system, Greg Jones, Xavier Curry. Tell me why those two guys snuck into the top 100.
2: Yeah. Well, Greg Jones is another one that I was fortunate enough to talk to recently. We just did a write up on just baseball.com with a sit down interview with him. And, uh, you know, th- there's a lot that goes into the mental side of it too. And, you know, I can't, I can't psychoanalyze every single player, right. That's it, it, not really where it goes, but, When I see a player like Greg Jones, every tool you could possibly imagine. I've talked to at least three different Rays prospects, and I've asked them, who's the best athlete in the race system? I don't even finish the question, and they say Greg Jones. You add that Greg Jones is now a switch hitter, that he has made major improvements at short. He could go to center, though. He would be one of the fastest players in all of Major League Baseball as well. Now the power is showing out now big time, too. Seven home runs from each side of the plate. He struggled in double A this year. And we talk about how big that jump is. But when I talked to him about the struggles, he was like, yeah, you know, it, it's different. And pitchers really just go after you differently. But I, I feel fine. And when I watched his at-bats, I saw a guy that felt fine. I didn't see somebody that was lost. And so when I see that, I talk to him about his approach, his work ethic and all of those things. And I see a guy that's going to figure it out. And then I look at the field and it corroborates that. <laughs> You know, sometimes guys will tell you one thing. You look at the field and it's it's a totally different story. Yeah. I see the same Greg Jones off the field as on the field. And when you look at the tools and everything he has going for him, I just don't see how you can't put that guy in the top 100 with the kind of upside he has. I know he's a little bit older. I know there's some of those things that people like to use as a reason to detract from a player, but I just think there's too much there and too much upside and the Rays their track record is always going to help with some of those guys when it comes to developing. And I think he'll develop. He even talked about how getting ground balls with Taylor Walls and with Wander Franco uh, before the season, how he was able to just learn so much from them. And just hearing things like that, that matters to me. It really does. There's more than just looking at the numbers, looking at the swings, and treating them like robots because they're not. And when we look at Xavier Curry, that curveball, nuts, nuts. It like it, it it almost like stops in midair. It, mm-hmm. it reminds me of the slow mo pitch in backyard baseball. Yep, it's just it's slow, but it, it's almost like Wainwright esque with how vertical and how late and how sharp it is. He's a gamer. He's an athlete. He has good command. He's got three pitches. The changeup works. The fastball has high spin. I don't know what it is. I don't have access to it, but I I, I can already tell. I'm sure you can say the same thing watch the start from him. I know that's a high spin fastball. You can tell by the hitter reactions, his numbers, his athleticism, what he's done and the three pitch mix. That's somebody for me a little bit older. I'm not going to let age keep him off for me because I think he's going to climb quickly. Yeah.
0: I have two questions. Well, really I have 40, but we're not going to do a 24 hour podcast. So I'll ask you them later, but two questions. First Shane Baz is my favorite pitching prospect in all of baseball for the race. But you have him a couple slots below your number one, Grayson Rodriguez. How do you differentiate the two? Because both, I think, are so elite. I think both have the potential to be aces in the rotation. Grayson Rodriguez for the Baltimore Orioles. Shane Baz for the Tampa Bay Rays. I know we're splitting hairs, but what makes Grayson just a tick better than Baz? I mean, that's what this is
2: all about, right? Just splitting (laughs) hairs anyways. I mean, dude you tell me Shane Baz is better than Grayson Rodriguez. I'd say, okay, yeah, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't be like, I disagree with you or whatever. I personally, when you look at two guys that are, are very similar in terms of what they've been able to do already in their professional careers and deep bag, good arsenal, ridiculously electric stuff. I look at a Shane Baz and a Grayson Rodriguez and Eileen Grayson, he's a little bit younger. He's bigger at 6'5", 220. He has continued to improve. He's a late bloomer. And so I'm looking here as two guys that have already dominated through professional baseball. I think bash should be in the big leagues right now, by the way, but that's that's a separate topic. And I trust the rays to know what they need to do there. But with Grayson six foot five, 225 pounds, every single year that he has pitched his VLO has gone up as the season has endured. He was a late bloomer in high school he continues to just get better and better physically in terms of his stuff. He just picked up the change up last year and that's become a, an incredible offering for him. So I look at Grayson and I'm like, where is this guy going to end up? Like realistically, he, he could be the best pitcher in baseball and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Baz. I think he's up there. I just think I, I kind of have an idea of what he's going to be, which is a really damn good starter and maybe a number two, maybe even an ace. But Grayson, I don't even know if the – like it seems boundless with how much he continues to get better. How many guys throw harder as the year goes on? Like you don't see that.
1: Can I, can I set the ceiling for Shane Baz at 2021 Zach Wheeler? So an oh. Cy Young guy. Oh,
2: oh, oh okay. yeah. No, I yes. love it. NL I Cy Young it. guy. Yeah.
1: But is anybody saying he's the best pitcher in baseball? No. No. That's, that's Baz to me. So yeah, like, could I could absolutely win a Cy love Young. I love that comp but G-Rod, there's no ceiling there. I don't
2: know what the hell it is. It could it could legitimately be like a next generational dude. Yeah. You know, so like that's why the fact that that's where it's like a little bit of the I can dream on this guy. But the difference is he's already shown that he's going to be a big league arm no matter what too. Yeah. And that's the difference I think with the way I look at it. It's like, if these two guys are neck and neck, I'm going to go with the guy I can dream on a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and, and that's exactly the case there.
0: Speaking of generational talent, the yankees i knew there's a man oh my god there's a man by the name of jason dominguez i'm not gonna tell you where he's ranked but he's not the top yankee prospect on this list that's anthony volpe i'm curious it's probably really hard to rank an 18 year old who's only played a couple of games and he's also hitting 258 with an ops under 800 just a tad below 800 but an ops under 800 nonetheless
1: this guy Jack, yeah, hurts my. You ass. know what? <laughs>
0: this guy I want to ask about Jason hurt. Dominguez and I want to ask about Anthony Volpe. Why do you have Anthony Volpe just a tick higher than Dominguez?
2: Well, it, it all ties back a little bit to, to what we were talking about, right? Like, with, with Volpe, he's like a dream scenario in terms of development. Obviously, if everything goes right for Volpe, which it is right now, and then some. It's still not going to be as productive as if every single thing goes right for Jason Dominguez, because that that apparently is we don't even know what that would be. Uh, the thing is, is that you're looking at a Volpe who has plus defensive ability at short 25 homers plus runner or at least close to it, and he's already doing it now through the, he's getting into the you know mid levels of the minor leagues. He's crushing high a pitching. I think we'll do the same in double. A. I think you're looking at a guy with a really high floor and still a very high ceiling. And if he's hitting home runs like this now, when we were expecting him to have below average power, I mean, you look at some of the, the pre-draft write-ups, they said, well, below average power glove, first guy, 25 homers. What's that going to look like in Yankee stadium now too. He could hit 30. So if that's the case, this guy could be a perennial all-star too. And I already know that he is hit at the high A level and he's only a year and change older than Jason Dominguez, right? Like that, that matters. Dominguez seeing him in person, I I was, you know, tantalized by the kind of bat speed that he's able to generate, especially from the left side, right side, not as pretty, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to stick in center the body build, like the, the frame, have we ever seen a player with that frame be successful in baseball? Like maybe he might, he might, he might, like he is, like you said, he's a generational physical talent, Yeah, but he doesn't move that well. Like I was a bit, he's straight line fast, but he's not agile. You see him on the bases. Like he's young. I understand. But these are things that I'm a little worried about. He's built like a bodybuilder. He's stiff. There's a lot of just, I haven't seen this before in Jason Dominguez. And that makes me just want to tread a little bit lightly because I just don't see, I've probably never seen a more high variance prospect. I don't think there's ever been a more high variance prospect in the history of scouting and baseball than Jason Dominguez. And I think that the rankings have to reflect that a little bit.
1: Totally. All right, just baseball top 100 dropping on Monday. Aram, I'll talk to you Monday.
0: Oh, yeah. Arm, um, I'll talk to you right after this because I have like 10 more questions. <laughs> Sounds
2: good. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm looking forward to seeing what everybody thinks, and I'm looking forward to getting yelled at.
1: We grilled his ass, and he answered a lot of our
0: questions. And then we stayed on for what 20 or 30 minutes after the interview, just to keep going through the list and be like, why'd you rank this guy here? Why'd you rank this guy here? And God, he knows about every single guy. And he it's, it's, it's easy to say, all right, this guy's hitting this His WRC plus is this. But when you go into the mind of a player, like he interviewed Greg Jones, you really understand why the rankings are there the way they are.
1: Yeah. Before we wrap, This comes out on a Friday. We're going to send you into the weekend talking about what happened on Wednesday afternoon. A couple other guys and Derek effing Jeter went to Cooperstown, forever immortalized. Derek Jeter missed by one vote from being a unanimous first ballot Hall of Famer. Whatever you want to say about the UZR for Derek Jeter, and I've said it, he was a very bad defender some years that he won a gold glove, like a negative defensive war. Some years that he won a Gold Glove, but that guy is as big a baseball figure as the game has ever, ever, ever seen.
0: I was talking to my dad, and because um, he he was in the he was reading the New York Post, and they came out with like their top ten Jeter moments, and he said watching them live made him tear up. And that just goes to show you the impact that Derek Jeter had on so many different fans. My favorite player ever. And people call him overrated. And I guess if you're not a Yankee fan, maybe you didn't grow up watching him every day, you could say, oh yes, he's overrated when I hear he's the greatest shortstop ever. Is he Is he the greatest shortstop ever? Probably not. But is that what we should be worrying about when a guy is getting inducted in the Hall of Fame? Or should it just be a celebration of one of the greatest athletes of our generation? And when I say athletes, I don't mean he was the greatest athletic specimen but if you ask yourself when you were five years old if you could turn into one
1: player wouldn't that player might be Derek Jeter that player would be dating Tyra Banks or whoever the hell he was dating I oh did you see the diamond yeah, yeah his dating diamond that Sports Nation put together like 10 years ago was awesome um here's my thing about Jeter as somebody that didn't grow up a Yankee fan I got Chills so bad that I had to put on a hoodie on Wednesday afternoon when Jeter came out. Rob Manfred introduced him, and for 30 seconds, everybody had to just shut up because the entire crowd was chanting "Derek Jeter." That is everything, That's and everything. Jeter was the athlete that transcended his sport. Michael Jordan transcended his sport. Uh, Who else? LeBron has transcended his sport. Kobe has transcended his sport. Basketball has been so good at it. But there has been nobody in baseball history that has transcended his sport and been bigger than his sport like Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was in Seinfeld and he had a classic scene in Seinfeld. Derek Jeter got shot by Mark Wahlberg and the other guys. Like that's who Derek Jeter is. Everybody knows who Derek Jeter is because he was hot as hell. He was also an incredibly good baseball player, and he always hits you with that knife right in the sternum when he was playing your team.
0: It's storybook. His, his last game is a walk-off. His 3,000th hit is a home run. Derek Jeter is, when you think of maybe just baseball in general, Derek Jeter is a name that comes to your mind when you first think about that. And I'm back to the overrated part. Like, you're not a genius for saying that. You're not some crazy baseball mind for being like, actually, if you look at the defensive metrics, we all know, we all understand. But sometimes defensive metrics aren't perfect. And now the jump throw is a play that everyone has in their bag now for a reason. Transcendent is the perfect way to describe him. And
1: if you call him overrated, I don't want to hear any of it. I have I have said that his defensive skills were not as good as what people made it out to be. He is and not that's okay. A good a defender. But having said that, you're right. And I've made this case honestly I think as recent as last week where when you fade away in your chair at work and shoot a paper ball into a trash can, you're saying Kobe when you're jumping and throwing the other way against your momentum you're yelling, Jeter, as you do that. Absolutely. He's got to move. Kind of like Steph Curry with the shot, right? Or Kobe. Right. Right. Those are guys that are just a little bit bigger than everything else. So when you say overrated, I say five rings. Yeah. I'm not saying overrated. I'm saying he should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. Yeah, show me your hand. Whatever. <laughs> Derek Jeter, immortalized. He should have been unanimous. Guy is a beast. And I hated the Yankees growing up. But shit, did I love Derek Jeter.
0: Congrats, Derek Jeter. I freaking love you, man. You're my favorite player of all time. And if there's this tiniest sliver of you hearing this, you are one of my role models and a reason why I love baseball so much. So props to you, Derek Jeter. You deserve every second of success that you get. All we got to see is you take the Marlins and make them a little better.
1: and kim to the promised land he is at peter apple 23 i'm at jack underscore mcmullen 11 we are at just baseball fans on tiktok and instagram twitch.tv slash just baseball fans at just bb media on twitter like and subscribe leave a (laughs) five-star review tell us what you like also we're on youtube at the just baseball show what else did i miss we have a discord that's it
0: you got everything else you're you're getting crazy at these there's so many social media platforms but guys jen we do appreciate five-star review on apple i'm just excited for the weekend man yeah have a good weekend thank you everybody